God is our creator and we are created in his own image and likeness. But what does it mean for all of us? What was God's intention in creating all of us in his image and likeness? Talking about the creation of us humans is not only a discussion about where we all came from, but it's also about where we are all going to after this life here on earth. And our blessed mother is inviting all of us to look at her and to be like her. We need to imitate Mary because she is now already united, body and soul, with our creator. Friends, today I am with Mrs. Joy Katigbak, advocate and speaker of Theology of the Body. I'm Ted Patulan, and this is the Cause of Her Joy podcast. Hello, friends. Today, we have a very wonderful topic. Our guest today is the leader of Couples for Christ Global, which is a Catholic inter international association of the lay faithful of pontifical rights. This dear sister was very busy moving from one place to another before the pandemic, but now she's still very busy giving online talks one after the other. And what does she talk about? She speaks and provides workshops on the theology of the body. And the entire family is an advocate of the theology of the body. We are very blessed because she has found time to be with us today. Friends, I'd like all of you to meet Mrs. Joy Katigbak. Hello, Sister Joy. Welcome to Cause of Our Joy podcast. Hello, Brother Ted. Thank you for inviting me to be here. It's great to be in your podcast. This is uh, my first time to guest in a podcast. And like I, I was telling you earlier, it's a blessing. It's a blessing for all of us to hear your thoughts about the theology of the body. So shall we consecrate this episode to our Blessed Mother? Yes, please. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, you have created us in your image and likeness. Today, please help us understand better what it means to live in your image and likeness. May we be more like Mary, our mother, in living a life in complete union with you, dear Lord, our triune God. Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculata, your well-beloved spouse. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Pray for us. Immaculate Conception, pray for us. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Sister, Sister Joy, um, could you please give us a, a very quick background on what Theology of the Body is and what you do as an advocate and speaker for Theology of the Body? Yes, um, Theology of the Body, or what we... I like to call TOB, is a series of 129 talks that were delivered by uh, St. John Paul II during the early years of his pontificate. So from 1979 up to 1984, every Wednesday, he would give these teachings um, as his Wednesday audience. And from the word theology of the body, which, by the way, is a term that John Paul II coined himself, 
uh, we know, we can see that it's the study of God and how he reveals himself in and through the human body. Or we can say theology of the body really means that the body reveals God. And that might seem a little strange for some people because usually when we think of the body, you know, we think of it to be on one side and then all of the things about um, that are spiritual or about God are all the way on the opposite side, right? But St. John Paul II allows us to see that the body and God are not really separate because God himself took on a human body just like mm-hmm. ours, right? So a lot of people also think that theology of the body is really just about sex, right? It's parang the Catholic uh, teaching about sex, okay? But there's really so much more in the theology of the body other than sex. So it really talks about our humanity. What does it mean to be made as a human person, made in the image and likeness of God? What does marriage have to do with that, right? What does our destiny have to do with who we are? Okay, so all of these things are tackled in the theology of the body. And, you know, the first time that I encountered it, I was really captivated. I was with my husband. We were serving in Singles for Christ. Okay, and we had attended a conference in the United States. And one of the speakers was Christopher West, who is one of the most uh, well-known speakers on the theology of the body. And when we heard him speak, we were really floored. And we, I was personally asking myself, where was this teaching when I was growing up? <laughs> so right at that moment, I really told myself, we need to bring this to other people. It can't remain with me. You know, it's like you, you uncover a treasure and you know there's just so much just for yourself and you really want to be able to share it with other people. So that's where I think the desire to be an advocate um, started. And from then on, we've really just been studying and finding ways to bring TOB to many audiences, beginning with, of course, our community in Couples for Christ. And then later on, getting you know enough courage to venture out of Couples for Christ and bring it to other people. Why do we need to know about theology of the body as Christians? Well, I think the main thing is that we need to know what it means to be a human person the way that God created us, right? So we all know we're persons, we're human person, but what does that really mean? So what John Paul II does is he unfolds for us what he calls an adequate anthropology. And adequate here doesn't mean, you know, just sufficient or just enough, but adequate here is a complete and full vision of the human person. So he begins by talking about who man is before original sin came into the picture. He calls this original man. Okay? And he, we go there because we want to know what was God's original design for the human person before sin came into the picture. And he cites some of the um, original experiences of Adam and Eve in creation. So he brings us back to Genesis, right? When God created the first man and woman, what was it like? Okay, what were their experiences like? He talks about, for example, what he calls original solitude, which is really Adam's experience of being alone. Alone, not because he was the only creature made, but he was different from all other creatures, right? He was, he knew um, by looking at the other creatures that he was not like them because he alone is an embodied person, right? Only the human person is a unique body and spirit, integrated unity. And that's why God says it is not good that the man should be alone, right? So 
what does he do? He proceeds to create, you know, the, the animals on the ground and the birds of the air, and he brings them to the man for him to name them. But, you know, as Adam names each of them, he must have realized, you know, they're beautiful creatures, but they're not like me. I mean, I cannot identify or relate with any of them. And so, of course, we know the rest of the story. God puts Adam to sleep, and from his rib, God creates Eve. And when Adam wakes from his sleep and sees Eve, he says, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, right? So right there, he realizes this one is a human person just like me. She too is embodied. But he also knows that although they are the same, meaning they're both human persons, he could tell that they were also different. Yes. I, she was a woman and he was a man. They were embodied differently. And that, of course, is followed in Genesis by Genesis 2.24 saying, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife and the two become one flesh. So as if to really tell us that these two are different, they're the same, but also different for the purpose of union, right? That they can give themselves totally to each other in a way that can become fruitful. And John Paul II calls this the spousal meaning of our bodies. That our bodies made male and female have a meaning, you know, we're, we're made male and female, not just so that we can reproduce, right? But so that we can express that meaning of being made for a love that is total self-giving love that can become fruitful and life-giving. And when Adam and Eve saw each other, remember this was before original sin, right? So they could see each other the way God sees them. And the way God sees them is that they could see each other not just as bodies, but as a whole person. So Adam could see Eve even in her nakedness and know that this was a person made to be loved, not an object to be used, right? So this is what John Paul II calls original nakedness. Yes. So yeah, brought about by that, that vision of being able to see one another the way God sees them. So that was how beautiful God created us, shown in original man. But of course, we know that the story doesn't end there, right? Original sin comes into the picture. And here, John Paul II talks about historical man. So this is the human person when original sin already came. And this, is, this of course, is our experience also today. So what has happened because of sin? Okay, so we know that when original sin came into the picture, things changed, right? There has been this rupture between the human person and God, between the human person and others, between the human person and nature around us, and also within ourselves between body and spirit, because that's what sin does. Sin separates, and sin also reduces. You know, when Adam and Eve committed original sin, they felt the need to cover themselves. Right? Mm -hmm. Not because their bodies became bad, but because they could no longer see one another with that purity that they used to see each other before sin. So if in the beginning they could see each other the way God sees them, you know, as persons to be loved, now they could only see bodies as objects, objects that can be used for their own personal satisfaction. So when sin came into the picture, Lust and shame also entered the picture. 
And so here we are today, you know, this is our experience. We are persons with concupiscence. You know, we have this attraction towards things that are not good for us. But we also know that God didn't leave us that way, right? Although we are fallen, we are also redeemed. And because we are redeemed, we know that we have been given this power from the Holy Spirit in our innermost being that allows us to be able to still do as God wills and overcome sin. So that's our history. That's our present. Okay, But to have a complete picture that adequate anthropology, John Paul II brings us to eschatological man, which is who the human person will be forever in heaven, in eternity. Okay? And um, here he tells us that heaven is really a bodily reality, that in heaven, our bodies and souls will be united together forever, and that we are meant for this eternal divinizing union with the glorified body of Christ, right? That we will experience God's divine nature permeating and penetrating our human nature. So it's like the marriage of really humanity and God, Christ the bridegroom and the church as his bride. So this is the complete picture that he gives us of the human person. And from there, okay, he talks about um, the sacramentality of marriage, talks about the language of the body. And then only then does he begin to talk about questions on sexual morality. So we can see that John Paul II is really unfolding for us first who the human person is, what is who, who are we, what is our purpose, what is our destiny, and only then can we begin to talk about how we should act. Because when we know who we are, then we will understand why some things are good for us and why some things are not good for us. So in a nutshell... <laughs> That's what the theology of the body tells us about who we are as human persons. Sister Joy, I like what you said about uh, advocate uh, anthropology, because we always need to recognize that Jesus is divine and human. And God entered history. And in the Old Testament, the our ancestors were hearing his voice. So partly, in a way, God was already part of, of, of history. But in the New Testament, God became fully flesh. In that way, we need to understand, we need to give Jesus Christ, we need to give God the sufficient humanity, sufficient humanity because he was part of history and he was like you and me. And the second thing that I want to, that I've, I was able to pick up from what you said is, we are, we are meant to be united with Christ, with, with the, our triune God. Because we always need to recognize that the Holy Trinity is a family. So Adam was never meant to be on his own. Adam was meant to be with somebody, to start a family. And the purpose of our creation is for Adam and Eve before sin. They were, they were perfect creation. And they were told by God, to be fruitful and multiply because God wanted God wanted perfect creation perfect offspring to populate the earth so he can 
populate the earth with perfect human beings who are all worshiping him. And that's what we call the universal church. And in our present day, we call it the Catholic church. Now, Sister Joy, you know, people would be, you know, I, I do recognize the fact that theology of the body is an entire course, okay? And today would only be an overview. And as, as I said with you earlier, that we are, we are barely scratching the surface of theology of the body. Now, people would be wondering, what is theology of the body doing in a Marian podcast? So, Sister Joy, what is the relationship of TOB with Mary? You know, Brother Ted, even if John Paul II really doesn't talk about Mary in those 129 audiences, really we can see in Mary the, how she reveals to us what it means to be a human person as um, told to us or ex explained to us in the theology of the body. Mary helps us to see our origin, and she also helps us to see our destiny. She helps us to see our purpose and also our calling. So we see God's plan for us in Mary, and she shows us how we can live it out by imitating her example. In other words, she embodies for us how God designed us to be, okay? Um, and how our response and posture should be before God, how it should be. Okay, I'd like to share with you um, something that I learned from a talk given by um, also another well-known theology of the body speaker. Her name is Katrina Zeno. And I have been blessed to um, you know, really learn a lot from her and be guided by her in my speaking. She has become a dear friend to me. I, but, um, I listened to one of her talks on video. And this was a talk on Mary and the theology of the body. And she mentions four gifts that Mary has okay, that reveals to us how what Mary has to do with the theology of the body. And I'd like to share those four gifts that she shares with some of my own personal reflections. You know, I've been really thinking about these four gifts to prepare for this um, podcast of yours. And, you know, God was just generous enough to speak in prayer. So the first gift is the Immaculate Conception. Right. So we know this, that Mary was conceived without original sin. Okay? That's why the angel called her full of grace. Okay? Now, what does the Immaculate Conception tell us? Right? It shows us um, that in Mary, God shows us what life was like before original sin came into the picture. What we were talking about earlier about original man. This is Mary. Right? She had no original sin when she was conceived, and she committed no sin you know, her entire life. So she becomes a picture now for us of original man. In the Immaculate, in the immaculate Conception, we see how God designed um, us in the beginning when he created the human person. And this is a life of union. And we see this life of union in Mary. Okay, we know that sin ruptured that union, but Mary was preserved from these ruptures, right? She was able to perfectly live that union and communion with God, with others, with nature, and within herself between body and spirit. So she was full of grace. And aside from Mary, the only persons who experienced what it was like to be full of grace, to be free from original sin, was really Adam and Eve. Right? before original sin. And I was actually thinking about this. You know, Adam and Eve also didn't have original sin. Neither did Mary. Now, what was the difference? Okay, why, why didn't they turn out the same way, right? 
And I was thinking, you know, the difference is their response to being full of grace. Okay. What was the response of Adam and Eve? Their response was one of doubt. Right? They doubted that God really wanted to share his divine life and love with them. They felt that it was something that they had to grab from him when he was actually going to give it to them as a gift. Right? That doubting of the fatherhood of God. But we see the total opposite in Mary. Instead of doubt, Mary's response was one of trust. Right? It was one of openness, of giving herself fully to receive that divine life and love that God was surely going to give her. Her response was her fiat, right? Be it done unto me according to your word. So through Mary, we can also see what grace can do for us. Right? When we receive this grace that God really wants to pour down upon us, it allows us to experience that union and communion with him. And it enables us to also give our own fiat to the Lord. And I realized that, yeah, we know Mary was really chosen. She was set apart from all of creation to be the mother of God. But it reminded me, you know, when I was praying this morning, it reminded me, hey, I'm also chosen, right? I'm not chosen to be the mother of God. But I'm chosen also for a specific purpose. I have a specific calling, each one of us. Each one of us is invited to give our own fiat to the Lord. And how, how grateful we are that we have Mary who becomes our model and our example of how it is to really trust and open ourselves to fully receive um, what God desires to give us. I just want to highlight two points about what you said about Mary being the Immaculate Conception. Okay, since we've been talking about history as well and anthropology, first, we always need to realize that humanity has a trend. Okay, and this trend is first, God would establish a relationship with all of us. And then God would give us blessings as part of this relationship. And then humans would sin. And, and the sin and our sinfulness would destroy our relationship with God. And eventually, God will do an act. God will do a solemn act. God will, God will do something to bring us back into a relationship with him so we can be united once again with him. So again, the trend is um, God would establish a rela relationship with us. Then God will provide the blessings for all of us. Man will sin and will hurt God, which, which will, as she said, ultimately destroy our relationship with God. And then God will do an act to unite us back to him. Now, this has been the trend since the fall of man, since this, the original sin of Adam and Eve, until Mary was born. Because Mary was born with the same original gifts as Adam and Eve. And with that gift comes the gift of free will, which you and I and all everybody in the world, you know, has received this gift, the gift, the gift of free will. And Mary chose to surrender her free will to God. You know, Mary would have had the option to disobey God because she has that free will. But Mary chose to, to obey God and surrender free will to God. Hence, Mary was the first ever to not follow, not follow humanity's trend. And we could also say, by virtue of this, um, you know, Mary surrendering her, surrendering her free will to God, Mary was the first human to, to restore God's original gifts. And Mary is telling all of us 
that we can also restore God's gifts. And the second thing that I want to say is Mary is pure. Mary is sinless. And she doesn't have any stain of sin, which leads to the point that she never suffered the consequences of sin, which is death. Okay. If we go back to, the, to Genesis, immediately after the fall of man, God gave a good news of salvation. And we call it the Proto-Evangelium. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God said to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And we all know that it was Jesus who defeated the devil by virtue of his crucifixion and death on the cross. Okay, But we have to remember that by virtue of Genesis chapter 3.15 that the mother of the offspring was also given a parallel enmity against the, against the serpent. And what does enmity mean? The original Hebrew word for enmity means a total, radical, complete opposition. Okay, Which means that Jesus and Mary will never have an intimate relationship with sin and the devil. This is a gift that Mary would like all of us to know and to be aware that when we whenever we we try to imitate Mary okay we also have a chance to to be so far away from sin by living a life of you know like Mary because Mary was the first ever disciple who truly followed Christ now sister joy can we move on to the next gift that you were talking about okay so the second gift after the immaculate conception according to Katrina Zeno is um, the Annunciation. Okay? And we know what happens in the Annunciation, right? The angel Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her that she's going to be the mother of uh, the Savior. And um, it's really an invitation um, coming from God for her to be the mother of Jesus, the Son of God. And what does this mean? Okay, It tells us that Mary is now going to be the new dwelling place, right? Um, Remember, she asks the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin, since I do not know man, right? And the angel tells her, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you and overshadow you. And it reminds us of um, the time when the cloud overshadowed the meeting tent during the time of Moses. And um, the Israelites saw this and they, they knew that this was filled with God's presence. So the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament that contained you know, the Rod of Aaron, the Ten Commandments, okay, and the manna from, uh, coming from God in the desert, these were symbols to them of the presence of God. But now in Mary, what do we see? Okay? Katrina explains this so beautifully, and she tells us that now in Mary, we have the high priest, the great high priest, you know, not anymore the, the priestly rod of Aaron, but the great high priest. We have the word made flesh and not just the 10 words of the, the 10 commandments. And now we have the word, the, the, uh, the living bread from heaven, okay, instead of the, the manna. And Mary now becomes a living tabernacle, okay, the dwelling place. Uh, now we can say that she's the new Ark of the Covenant. Now, when Mary gives her yes and the Holy Spirit overshadows her and she conceives of our Savior, Jesus, what do we see? We see heaven and earth 
meeting together. Can Mary, humanity, and divinity meet? Okay, they become one in her. And I think my reflection of this is, this is really what God intended for us. God meant for us to be in union with him. That's what we are made for. That's why he created us, for us to be united with him forever. And that is what is going to truly give us what will fulfill us, what will uh, satisfy all our desires. And, you know, we can ask ourselves, how can we experience this union when, you know, I'm still alive and I cannot unite myself with God yet? But we forget that even here and now, God unites us to his glorified body in the Eucharist. And in the Eucharist, humanity and divinity become one flesh, right? We become one flesh with Christ in the Eucharist. And so we, we think of Mary as showing us our posture before God, right? That when God calls, okay, sometimes um, the call is difficult to fulfill. Sometimes we can't understand it. But it's comforting to know that neither could Mary. I mean, she probably had a lot of questions, but still her response was, be it done to be according to your word. So it reminds us, I can also give that response rather than, you know, let me have it my way according to my word. Okay? Mary shows us that God takes the initiative, but we make the response and our response should be like hers, one of openness and full receptivity, making ourselves really totally available for union with God. And then, of course, um, she reminds us of this again in her last words in the gospel, right? Her last words at the wedding of Cana when she says, do whatever he tells you. And he wasn't just, she wasn't just saying that to, you know, the, the, those serving at the wedding. She tells that to each one of us that our day-to-day -day life should be one where we do whatever God tells us. I like how you connected the Immaculate Conception to, to, to the Annunciation because, um, you know, God so loved our Blessed Mother Mary that he actually wanted to live inside Mary, that he wanted to be in the womb of Mary, that he wanted to drink the milk that's going to come out of the, the breast, the bosom of Mary. So there's this intimate connection between God and our Blessed Mother. And another thing that I want to say is we have learned from the Bible that God changed the names of some of his servants, okay? To give a few examples, of course, we have Abram, who eventually became Abraham. And we have his wife, Sarai, who became Sarah. We have Jacob, who eventually became Israel. In the New Testament, we have Simon, who became known as Peter. And of course, Saul, who became known as Paul. Well, in this story that you just said about the Annunciation, notice that God did not address Mary by her name. Whenever we pray the Hail Mary, you know, we always say Hail Mary, full of grace. But in the Bible, the greeting of the angel was Hail, full of grace. There was no mention of the name of Mary. So God also changed the name of Mary by addressing her as Hail, full of grace. Wow. It's really amazing. Now, Sister Joy, can we move on to the next uh, gift? Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's really beautiful. But the third gift is the visitation, okay, and followed by Pentecost. And 
what do we see in the visitation? We see Mary's first impulse, you know, upon uh, conceiving of Jesus and after knowing that her cousin Elizabeth was also with child, her first impulse is to go out, right? And to bring the body of Christ to Elizabeth. And of course, you know, even the child in Elizabeth's womb recognizes the presence of God in their midst. And we know that um, uh, the baby in her womb leaped for joy. Pope Benedict uh, refers to the visitation as the first Eucharistic procession, okay, where John the Baptist is actually the first Eucharistic adorer. So we can imagine Mary as the monstrance, right, bearing the body of Christ. And here she is, you know, processing to, to where Elizabeth is and Elizabeth um, receiving the presence of God and um, John the Baptist adoring uh, the presence of God by leaping in uh, Elizabeth's womb. So Mary is the first tabernacle in which um, John Paul II says, in which the son of God, still invisible to our human gaze, allowed himself to be adored by Elizabeth, radiating his light as it were through the eyes and the voice of Mary. Okay? Sometimes, you know, we become so familiar with the story that we don't, anymore realize how magnificent it is that here actually is a human person just like you and me okay except she's preserved from sin and in her is no less than god himself in the form of a baby so we do just like mary we need to first receive jesus so that we too can bear him to the world so that we can bring him to others Okay, just as Mary did in the visitation. And um, Pope Benedict continues and he says, yes, to receive Jesus and take him to others is really the true joy of the Christian. And really, if you think about it, what do we need to do today? You know, especially in our community, in Couples for Christ, we are really called to be evangelizers. And all of us Christians, we're called to proclaim the good news. I think this is an important reminder for us that before we can proclaim the good news, we must first unite ourselves with Jesus, right? Before we can bring him to, to the world. I need to first um, be one with Jesus, be in union and communion with him before I can bring him to others. You mentioned Pope Benedict XVI, and um, he actually also had a teaching about Lecture Divina, and he connected it to the Annunciation. It was Mary who heard the word of God, and he and she heard the word of God through an angel. And Mary also, you know, after the hearing the words of God, she reflected on the words of God by saying, "How can this be? Because you know, I know not man." And she eventually united herself to God, to God's will, by saying, "Let it be done unto me according to your word." Now, Pope Benedict XVI said that this is actually Lectio Divina. And this is the classic uh, definition of Lectio Divina. We listen to God's words, we pray and reflect on God's words, and we ask God how we can unite ourselves to him and to his will. Uh, the beauty about um, what Pope Benedict XVI said about um, the Lectio Divina is there's a last part, okay? And the last part of the Lectio Divina, according to Pope Benedict XVI, is actio or action, and like what you beautifully said, my dear sister Joy, is 
Mary had the first impulse after hearing the word of God to share it, to act on it. And she had just she had to go and meet her cousin Elizabeth. In fact, the gospel of Luke was very specific about this. And Luke said that Mary acted in haste. Okay. Now, so far, um, Sister Joy, you've mentioned three gifts. So you mentioned the Immaculate Conception, the Annunciation, and the Visitation. Okay, and what's the next gift? Okay, so the fourth gift is the Assumption. Okay, so if Mary in the Immaculate Conception shows us life in the beginning, you know, life before original sin, she also shows us our life in the end, in eternity, through the Assumption. Okay, and an important truth that we see in Mary is what our church teaches us about the resurrection of the body. That in heaven, you know, it's not just going to be our souls that will be there, but we will be united with Christ, body and spirit. And that's because as, that's who we are as human persons, right? As human persons, we are a body and spirit unity. And so even in heaven, we don't change and become angels or just spirits. Ultimately, our bodies will be united with our spirits in heaven. So like Mary, Mary was assumed into heaven, body and spirit. So she already showed us in advance, this is what our destiny is. Okay, I'm a human person too, just like you. And here I am in heaven, body and spirit. So it reminds us that heaven is really also a bodily reality. And that reminds us that our bodies really have an eternal relationship with our souls. But that relationship will be perfected in heaven. So we don't get rid of our bodies. Okay? Our bodies remain with us. It's the same male or female body, but also different. Right? This body is going to be glorified. Okay? Just like Jesus' body. Right? Jesus' body was resurrected. And when his body was resurrected, it was the same body with the marks of the crucifixion, right? He asked Thomas to put his finger on his side in the wounds um, pierced with the lance. But it was also different, right? We knew that, you know, Jesus could enter the room even when all the doors were locked. And, you know, he couldn't be easily recognized by some of his uh, disciples. That means there was also something different about him. So the same is true for us. Our bodies will be with us forever in heaven, right? When in Jesus' second coming, our bodies will be reunited with our souls and we will experience that divinizing union with him, body and spirit. So uh, for us today, this means that since our bodies are an integral part of who we are, then the way that we use our bodies is to be a gift to others because that's what our bodies show. Our bodies show that we are made to be a gift and to receive the gift of others. And the body is the only way that we can be a gift to others. You know, we can't just um, think loving thoughts about a person and expect this person to feel loved. We need to express this love through our bodies. So even so in heaven, the way that we will express our love to Christ and to one another is through the body because we are human persons and we are embodied persons. Sister Joy, um, I've realized that the four gifts of Mary are actually related to the four Marian dogmas. So Mary as the mother of God, Mary as perpetually virgin, 
virgin before, during, and after birth, Mary as the Immaculate Conception, and Mary in her glorious assumption that Mary went to heaven, body and soul. And what we can learn from this is we are also destined, like what Sister Joy said, our, body will, our bodies after death will someday be glorified by God. And God will unite our bodies and spirit so our bodies could also go to heaven just like um, Mary and Jesus Christ. Now, Sister Joy, so far you've talked, talked about four gifts. And the, the question here right now is, what, what is it for you and me? How, how does these four gifts apply to us Christians? Well, it's good to remember that these four gifts that Mary has are also our gifts in some way. Right? She reveals to us the gifts that have also been given to us. She reveals to us through the Immaculate Conception the beauty of our origin. right? And we know that although the way that God designed us was perfect and this may have been marred by sin, we know that Christ came to restore us, right? The Catechism tells us that Christ came to restore all creation to the purity of its origins. So Mary shows us what that origin is. And although we are not born like her, we can be like her, Amen. right? If we take on the same posture that she has, we can also be full of grace. We can be filled with God's grace through the sacraments, okay? And in Mary's um, Annunciation, she reveals to us the beauty of our purpose, that a purpose of being in union and communion with God, which is what happened at the Annunciation, where she became fully united to God in her womb. So this reminds us that this is also our experience in the Eucharist. We become one with Christ, just like Mary, although in a different way, but we also experience this one flesh union with Christ. And the third is, in the visitation, Mary reveals to us the beauty of our calling, right? Our call to be evangelizers, our call to be a gift to others and to bring the gift of Christ to others. So as we receive Christ, like Mary, we are also called to bear him and to bring him forth to the world. And then, of course, the last gift of the Assumption Mary reveals to us the beauty of our destiny. What was true for Mary that she she's now experiencing being in heaven, body and spirit, that's also a gift given to us. Okay, We may not be experiencing it yet right now, but we know that this is what God has planned for us. Just like Mary, we will be with God, body and soul for all eternity. So Mary is really this beautiful image given to us, this, uh, this person with whom we can also have a relationship with so that she can um, lead us to Christ and she can show us that her gifts are also our gifts too. Okay, so I think that's also one of the reasons why we are, it's so easy to be attracted to Mary, why we find her so beautiful that we know her beauty is not just an outward beauty or an external beauty, but we know that God really created us with, God created her with such beauty that draws us towards her so that she can also lead us to her son, Jesus. Sister Joy, I've learned so much, so many things about uh, Mary and theology of the body today. One of the things that I'd like to always remember is what you said about St. John the Baptist being the first Eucharistic adorer. 
um, you know, non non Catholics would always ask or even question why we do Eucharistic adoration. But we need to remind everybody that the the Holy Eucharist is not just a piece of bread. The the that Holy Eucharist is the is Jesus Christ present in his body, blood, soul, and divinity, okay? And, you know, if we're, we're approaching December and um, we're nearly Christmas, it's nearly Christmas, and we when we look back at that nativity scene, okay, it, St. Joseph, our Blessed Mother Mary, the three kings and the shepherds who were present there, they were also Eucharistic adorers because they adored the body of Christ. And I just like, I, I really like how you beautifully said that St. John the Baptist was also a Eucharistic adorer because Mary, as the new Ark of the Covenant, came to Elizabeth's house and St. John the Baptist recognized the presence of Jesus Christ and he leapt with joy. And I think this, is, this should also be out the posture of our hearts whenever we are we need we want to go to holy mass whenever we're we're about to receive the holy communion whenever we are preparing ourselves for eucharistic adoration sister joy any final words well maybe um just an encouragement for everyone listening to go to mary i right? go to mary it's so easy when you know it's it's really instinctive for us that every time we have a problem or, you know, every time we have good news to share, we want to share it with our moms, right? And Mary is our mom. Okay, so let's go to her. And when we go to her, let's see these four gifts that she has. And when we see these four gifts, let's remember she shares them with us, right? She allows us to see that those are our gifts too. She embodies them and she shows us what our posture should be before God. May, like Mary, we also be able to open ourselves to totally receive Christ into our lives so that we can bring him to others. So again, my dear friends, the four gifts that was given to that were given to Mary are um, the Immaculate Conception, the Annunciation, the Visitation, and the Glory, her glorious assumption. Sister Joy, if there are any listeners or viewers who would like to hear you speak again, how can they follow you? Well, I do have um, an Instagram account. Um, it's Joy B. Cutting Back. Okay? And we have a Facebook page called Theology of the Body Workshops PH. Okay? We post um, whatever seminars or talks that we might have coming in the future. There's also a coming Jesus-Centered Life Conference this December. And um, I'll, I'm one of the many, many speakers there. And I'm going to be talking about the theology of the body and what we need to teach our young children about their bodies, even at a young age. Friends in Christ, we need to know the purpose of our existence and what we were created for so we could live a meaningful life. We always need to go back to the book of Genesis. I myself always go back to the book of Genesis to understand the story of creation because it's the only way we could also understand God's original plan for all of us. Let's always be reminded that God created all of us in his image and likeness. So we are made, like what Sister Joy said, we are made of body and soul. And it is only in God that we could find the meaning of our life and what our bodies have to do with it. 
Well, God wanted to have a perfect creation. And God, like I said earlier, God wanted to populate the earth with perfect creation so there can be one universal church worshiping the triune God. But like what Sister Joy said, this plan did not happen because of sin. But God never hesitated to bring us back into a relationship with him. And because, um, when, but because God knows that when our relationship with him is restored and healed, God will also restore the gifts that he has given to all of us. And through, throughout human history, humanity failed and sinned against God until Mary and Jesus came. Jesus is pure God and pure man, but Mary is purely human only. And yet she surrendered her free will, free will to God. And, and the result is a restoration of the original gifts. And Mary is telling all of us, like what Sister Joy said, Mary is telling all of us that we can be like her. Mary is inviting us to imitate her. And we can also restore those gifts with the help of the Holy Spirit. And because Mary is now united in heaven with God, body and soul, Mary is now home with God, body and soul. And now Mary is telling us, telling all of us that we can also make it to heaven, that we can also make it home with our God. Sister Joy, would you like to close with a Hail Mary? Thank you very much again, Brother Ted. It was um, really an honor to also learn from you and everything that you shared uh, today. So we pray in the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much, everyone. We'll see you again soon. Never, ever forget that we can be like Mary, and Mary is the model of how to live a Christian life. God bless everybody. Ave Maria. Thank you for listening. If you have been blessed with this episode, please click the subscribe button. Ave Maria.